Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Music of Life Church podcast. We are going to discuss the Gnostics episode. If you haven't heard it, please give it a listen. We're going to break it down so that you can help people who've been hurt by this topic. I'm Pastor Jonathan here with Pastor Joel. Hey, Pastor Joel. Hey, Pastor Jonathan. Uh, so it's Gnostics, not uh, Gnostics. Gnostics? Yeah. Not to be confused with glow sticks. There's at least one thing we learned in that episode. That's right. Um, what do you think? What are your initial thoughts on the episode? My initial thoughts is this. Yes. It reminds me of a parent and child argument. Parents. Okay. okay. I thought you were going to just let me ask you. Uh, <laughs> you were just going to stop and move on. And I was going to go, wait, I, I'm taking the bait. Oh, you what, have Pastor me. You Joel? have me. Okay. You have me. Yes. You totally have my attention. Do this thing, little kid. Why, dad? Because I told you so. Because I'm the dad. Because I said so. Don't question me. Do what you're told. Sound like a lot of dads, right? Definitely. I've been committed. You know, my son is 14, almost 15 years old. And proudly, one of my proudest father moments is I've committed from the day he was born to not do the I told you so I'm the dad line. Yep. And and I think it's been a benefit because it's pushed me to have to be able to explain why I'm telling him to do what I'm telling him to do. And there were times even when he's two, three years old where I'm like, Jack, stop making all that noise. And he'll say, why? And I'll be like, Jack, never mind. Keep playing with that toy that makes a lot of noise. You're having fun. Because in my head, I'm like, the only, the only reason I said to do that is because I was annoyed by it. And okay. it's distracting me from watching this TV show that doesn't really matter. Sure. So here's, you know, I'm telling him to do something. It's just something I, I came up with myself and I'm putting myself in a position where I don't get questioned by my son. That's a lot of what we're seeing in the church. So I'm trying not to do that with my boy. Now flip the whole argument. Oftentimes what we'll see, and I did touch on this at the end of the What the Flock episode. You know, Johnny does something wrong. And mom or dad says, why'd you do that? And Johnny says, you know, because Joel, Joel was doing it. And David was doing it. And Brian was doing it. And then the mommy or daddy inevitably will say, if they were about to jump off of a bridge, would you? <laughs> right? Yep. yep. And depending on if Johnny's a smart butt or not, he might say, Depends how high the bridge was or something. But you get the point, though. What, what yeah. I'm, my point is, is that's why this reminded me of this parent-child argument, where a lot of times the flawed argument from a parent is because I said so. Don't question right. me. I'm the dad. I'm in charge. And a lot of times the flawed argument from the kid when they're being confronted for something they've done wrong is because this other person told me to or I was just going with the crowd. Now, the parent ought to be parenting in a way where they're raising adults, not kids. They're raising, even though they are children, 
they're raising adults to the point where I need to give them, I need to show them by example that we ought to know why we're doing what we're doing. And ultimately the support for why I'm telling you to do what I'm telling you to do ought to be something that benefits you and be supported through something outside of myself. So when I support what I'm saying, it should be something better than because I'm the dad. Right. Yeah. That was me, me growing up all of my house chores. Why? Wow. I'd have to do this. Why'd I have to do this? My parents would constantly say, Jonathan, your wife is going to thank us for it. Now that kind of sounds like it's for their benefit. <laughs> that That's a great my wife, support though. That my wife it will is. thank them. But what does that mean? Like, it's so like, that's yeah. really layered. So, but I'm, uh, but now that I'm married, it's like Morgan and I will have all of these conversations and we'll hear about all of these fights that happen because of chores and housework. Yeah. And it, causes me to think about those words that my parents said as this is going to benefit your marriage one day. Right. Even when I was like, I'm not going to get married. I'm not going to get married. It's like the, uh, the other way is to say, well, we, you know, as parents, we see that you're going to be someone who's one day going to be married. We think that you want right. that, even though you say you don't want that. Yep. So it's just like that, but that flip side of going, no, Jonathan, you're, we see you as someone who's going to want to be married and it's going to benefit you. And it does. Yeah. And it, so it reminds me, it's like if the, the leaders in the church are acting the same way, really they're treating their congregation like their congregation are little kids. Yeah. And now at the same time, if I'm an adult and I'm using other people's words and beliefs to support my own well i'm acting like a little kid yeah i'm acting like johnny who's blaming his school buddies as to why they got in trouble for picking on a girl during recess right that's not gonna fly when i stand before god i can't blame someone else for what i believe or what i've done i need to i need to know what i believe why i believe it and be able to support it from a source outside of myself or else I'm putting myself in a position to commit idolatry. And that makes sense. I think a lot of pastors and leaders have great intentions. So we're not talking about what their intentions are, but right. if because I said so is a legitimate reason to tell people what to do, then they will always be children. So what's the benefit of someone always being children and me or the pastor always being the pastor is that they're going to stay. Oh yeah. And that's where that's really sneaky and gross. That's really, because it's like, I'm the, I'm the source of your spiritual health and <sighs> I'm getting these words for you and because the word of God says so, or because of this, then we're always dependent upon that person. Upon did you ever that. run away? Did you ever run away as a kid, Pastor Jonathan? <laughs> I was just talking about this with Morgan. Um, 
I don't know if I ran away or just like walked around the block. Yeah, okay. Consi- seriously. Consi- consi- but the intention that. though, the intention was I'm, I'm leaving. Uh, and yeah, you know, I'm not asking how far did you get? Yeah. But that's because well, that was my follow-up yeah. question is how far did you get? I yeah. made it what the time I tried running away. I don't know if I've ever talked to anybody about this because that's how silly it was. I don't remember what it was about, but I think I grabbed like a granola bar you know, for my sustenance on yes. the journey I was about to go on. Yes. I didn't make it a block before I was like, nah, this ain't a good idea. I turned right back around. <laughs> Do you remember when it was? Was it summer or winter? When it was when summer. Was it? I remember okay. it being warm out. And I, I think that might've been a variable as to why I had the courage. It's like, if it was winter, I probably wouldn't even have stepped outside. Nice. But I remember I didn't have to grab a coat or nothing. It was just my granola bar. So it was well thought out, clearly. Um, but yeah, but that's your, you know, so you think about that though, even as a kid, I know, you know, it's my, I never told my mom or dad, but it's almost like, go ahead and run away. Right. No, I'm not, I'm not telling you to tell your kids to run away, but from my perspective, as a parent, it's like, I could watch myself walk down the street now that I'm an adult and watch that whole situation unfold and be like, you're going to come back. (laughs) You can't take care of yourself. Yeah. So that is, I like what you just said there. It's, I mean, it's kind of, it's, it's profound, but it's also kind of scary too. Cause I think a lot of times we are as, as leaders, we're acting like bosses and we are putting our people in a position where they can't get the help they need outside of, from me directly. And that we're not we're not raising great disciples adults they're on they're gonna have milk right yeah no exactly milk. exactly no meat it's just the same message over and over and over again yeah. and it's not it's not getting deeper um yeah i think i i can see how people who can't explain their beliefs if they're in a leadership position especially in the church if they're a pastor can be um, unconsciously unsettled by a conversation with asking why. So it's essentially like asking someone why, if they don't know it, if they don't know why behind what they believe. So if they have a belief, but they can't explain why, then every person in their congregation is there essentially because they either like or trust that pastor that he's caring for them. As soon as they find out that he doesn't know why, or as soon as it gets questioned that he doesn't know why, or gets asked why, I get, I'm starting to see a clearer picture of why there's such a hard pushback. Because it's literally like every why, every why question that we're asking is potentially going to cause within himself this fear that everyone's going to leave around him. Oh, uh, Yeah. I haven't been able to explain it. You know, I'm that pastor going, I haven't been able to explain it for years. So now that this is being exposed, everyone's going to leave. And usually what happens is not a tearful, humble, oh my gosh, I want to learn. Thank you so much. Whereas that could be that, that could be the story is the pastor getting up and saying, Hey, remember I've been explaining this to you for all of these years. Well, I've learned 
this as well. And this is the explanation that will help cement what we've always believed is right. Yeah, I love that. Uh, Cause I was going to ask you, well, what should a pastor do if he's in that position where someone asks him why he believes what he believes and he's not able to give the answer? What should he do? If he's not, if he's not able to give an answer. Yeah. Yeah. He should go find out an answer. Yeah. He should find it. <laughs> He should go get one and then basically, you know, lead his congregation, lead his church. Yeah. And, and I would, and I would add this too. You can say, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Go find the answer. The answers are there, especially when we're talking about scripture. Yeah. But you don't have to, I think it's, it's a much better position to put yourself in as a leader to admit you don't know something than it is to rationalize why it's okay. You don't know something. Oh, man. And this fear we have of people leaving is more likely to happen when we turn into a bully than it is when we stand up before everybody and say, you know what? I don't know the answer to that, but I'm going to find out. Right. Will you join me? Right. It's like, man, that's a pastor I'd look up to. Cause you know Absolutely. what? Absolutely. There's so many things I don't know. So if the only reason he's my pastor is because I think he knows everything. Well, my standard for a pastor is wrong. <laughs> I'm the one who's wrong. Yeah. And the thing is, is that we don't know everything. And I think yeah. oftentimes it gets confused like we know everything because we talk so much about what it is that we know. <laughs> yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? That, that it, it's like, we're passionate about what it is that we believe in what it is that we know. And that does right. not mean, that does not mean that there's, there isn't so much more to learn and get to know. So we're not saying, yeah, we're not saying we have to know everything, but the response to what it is I know and what it is I don't know is really what's important. Am I seeking truth am i seeking the right information and on that journey recognizing i'm gonna be wrong yeah and those are the greatest opportunities for me to learn something new yeah so that's i mean man if i could say one of the number one attributes of our hopefully our music of life church podcast listeners is that we admit that we're wrong quickly you know when you find out something's wrong i'd love for our listeners to have a reputation of people who admit that they're wrong yeah. quickly. Yeah. Cause one thing we've found, we've found to be true more often than not is a lot of the pastors who fall under this category of Gnostics or maybe just even just a, a traditional style pastor is oftentimes they're equating being right to righteousness. Mm. and that's a flawed belief being right and righteousness are not the same thing so it's more important that i the righteousness comes through me you know taking direction from god it's fundamental christianity right it's do what god's telling you to do confession confession and repentance when you don't my righteousness comes through that which in, half of the answer there is admitting i'm wrong 
that's righteousness. <laughs> right. As soon <laughs> Admitting as you, I'm yeah. wrong and letting God work through me. Dude. Poor, or being poor right. Spirit. So I'm not getting to heaven by answering a math quest, a math question. Right. Nice. And I'm not going to hell if I get it wrong. Nice. So, right. And that's where I think a lot of times leaders, if they, if they're shown that they're wrong or they believe or feel like they're on the verge of being shown where they're wrong in a belief, that's another time this fear can come up of, I have to be right. Why? Because that's my right. My righteousness is at stake. And it's like, no, it's not. Okay. Let's do an overview of the strict and loose side of the argument of Gnosticism, Pastor Joel. The strict side is really when the pastor or leader teaches whatever it is they're teaching, whatever this information is, and they put themselves in a position where you have to hear them. You can't confront them. Mm. You're told you need to listen. You're told you need to believe. And the, the support is the, the reason and the support is because I'm the pastor and you're supposed to, you're supposed to just submit to me. And the, ultimately the response here gets pretty dodgy. A lot of times people on this side end up being like bullies Mm-hmm. So it's strict in that it's like, do what I tell you to do. The loose side or the freedom side is really just the live your own truth. And it's just important that you believe. And it's just, you know what, if you ask questions, the fact that you're asking questions is good enough. You don't need the answers. You know what, maybe there are no answers or mm-hmm. maybe the answers you have are right. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't live your truth. We're talking about truth coming through your uniqueness. The truth is objective, though. And that's where when we say when we say truth. What we say is this is something that is outside of ourselves that is objective. Yes, we don't we don't come up with truth. The truth doesn't care if we agree with it or not. No, it doesn't. So in culture, in, in the culture, when people are saying live your truth, what is it that, that they're essentially saying, Pastor Joel? Like, what is, what is my truth? What's the culture saying? Yeah, I think that's, that's this looser freedom side of the Gnostics argument. It's my truth is what I believe is right. Okay. What I know and what I feel is right. Yeah. And that's really, that's really what it's, what I feel is right. That's loose side. The freedom side of the conjunctive is feelings based. So why is it right? Cause it feels right. That's great. Thanks for bringing up the feeling thing. Cause that's, that's an important aspect of this side of the argument. Yeah. And whenever we're talking about beliefs, beliefs is, is to know consciously and to feel unconsciously. That's why that, are to be fully convinced or to be full, like to believe something fully is to know it and feel it. Yeah. And oftentimes when people don't necessarily know it, or they have a, a lot of experience with something that they believe is right, then if, okay, let me put it this way. If someone has, if they feel that something's right, but logically they can't explain it, then the reason they believe it is because it's a pattern that they have lived in for a long time. Yeah. 
So even that, even when that's a wrong pattern, they believe that it's the right pattern because it's their experience. Well, this is what I think. This is my experience. Yeah, so therefore, yeah. how are you know how can you tell me that my experience is wrong? Well, so that so so when we approach someone like that who has a belief that they feel is right and we can objectively show them we have an objective something that's outside of ourselves that does prove what they believe is wrong it feels wrong because uh, yeah. they believe that it's right that's a great point so that's what's going on in someone like where is all of the pushback coming from well they they are convinced that you are wrong different and uncomfortable does not mean wrong oh i love it yeah. yes yes that is so important yeah to talk about. Yeah. And that's this side, this, this loose side of the argument really for every episode we've ever done when they're confronted in what they believe a belief based in a feeling, it feels if they're confronted in that with something different or uncomfortable, it's often equated where then it must be wrong. Cause if I believe in this thing, because I feel it to be right, well, different and uncomfortable doesn't feel the same. It feels wrong. Yep. So that's the another reason why this, the way we help people on the loose side is by trying to give them the tools to stand in the midst of deception. Right. So they can understand what they believe, why they believe it, and support it from outside of themselves. So that feelings isn't the only thing they measure their beliefs on. Yeah. Man, because I tell you what, in terms of living your own truth, man, there are people that are can like, just to talk about racism, for example. Yeah. If people have the belief that you live your own truth, well, someone's truth might be racism. It might be. And if that's the answer for everyone to live their truth and someone's racist, then they need to be okay with that racist living their own truth. Yep. And that's when the rubber, that's when the rubber hits the road. And that's where we always say, flip the pronouns. Are you okay with someone else living their truth? Even if it uh, uh, is against your truth. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's good. So I want to, I want to ask this question. Do you believe pastor Joel that people can still get revelation from God? Yes. Okay. Me too. So here's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about what is the responsibility of the person who's receiving this revelation or let's start with this. Okay. Backing up. I'm getting too excited. Okay. We both believe it's still possible to get revelation. Yes. Okay. What is the definition of revelation? What are we saying our definition of revelation is? 
well, the word, the etymology means to take the lid off, right? So something, what, something is revealed to you, information that didn't, that wasn't available before this moment is now available to you. Okay. Something, let's, let's say, combining all of that, uh, something was newly revealed. Great. You know, so a revelatory perspective, a new perspective, something new was revealed. Solomon says there's nothing new under the sun. Yeah, okay. What, what is that? What is it? What does that mean? Yeah, we're going to help go me with Ecclesiastes here now. Great. <laughs> can you help me? Can you help me? Yeah. Can you help me resolve that? Okay, so here's where, again, I'm going to go back to something we talked about in the mystery versus puzzles, because this actually will help us kind of get some resolution behind why are some of the books in the Bible in there? Like Ecclesiastes, what it says at times just seems flat out wrong. Okay. Remember, there's what, there's the what you read, there's the meaning in the specific context of what you're reading, and then there's the doctrine or the principles that are true regardless of what you're reading and regardless of the context that is so important to understand when you're reading ecclesiastes okay because solomon's really at the end of his life or towards the end of it and his thought process is shot he's not a happy camper is he no, he's not. And when he says, well, first, really, the reason his thought process has gotten the way it is, is, well, two reasons. One, he was isolated. He didn't have anybody to confront him. And, or he didn't allow anybody to, I should say. And so, so he seemed like he was pretty isolated. And Two, his focus was on the physical. How much money? How many women? So I would say, so in order to understand there's nothing new under the sun, I would say, how do I resolve him saying that and what you and I just said, that something new can be revealed? Yeah. We're focused on the spiritual and Solomon was focused on the physical. Aha. I mean, Solomon got to a point where it's like, okay, well, what more can I have? There's nothing, there's no other new experiences for me to have. I've tried them all. New, there's no new physical experience. Right. Nothing new under the sun. I mean, under this, like he's talking about on earth even, right? Oh, that's good. Oh, I like that. That's good too. Yeah. Where you and I are saying, yeah, well, maybe you're right there. Cause, uh, the revelation you and I are talking about, Pastor Jonathan, is revelation that would come from a source that's above the sun. Nice. And so we're really, that's really the simple way to resolve that is spiritual versus physical. Oh, I love that. Under under the sun. Have you ever said it that way? No, that just, I feel like that just came as I was talking. I feel like God showed me that. Oh, love it. We're, we're talking about revelation is something that is above the sun. <laughs> yep, it sure is. <laughs> oh, I love it. Man, that's great. Great perspective.
Well, that explains that. So what is then the responsibility of the person who gets revelation from God? So I believe that something new, Pastor Joel, has been revealed to me. It's a new perspective. What is that? What is my responsibility with this? So I love that you went so extreme because the, the responsibility with a new revelation is going to be the same responsibility we have to truth that already has been revealed. Huh. So this is great for leaders okay. who are teaching God's word. There's not a different way to handle this as there would be the already written word of God. And it's simply whatever it is I have, I should be sharing it with other people. I should be explaining the reason behind whatever it is I've taught. And we've explained even further, I should the with the reason ought to be how it's a benefit or a value to the people that I'm teaching it to. And three, I should be able to show you in scripture how it is still in line and consistent with God's word. So that's really, you look at what, what Peter and Paul were doing in the New Testament, and we see this through their letters. This style of preaching a sermon is even done as they write. Would you say that a lot of what Paul especially was teaching was revelation that was given to him. I mean, he said he went to the third heaven, right? He did. I mean, he even said it. It's like, I can't tell you this stuff. <laughs> well, he, there were certain things he couldn't say, but yeah. at first I received special revelation from God. I cannot immediately say that it's that he is a Gnostic, but that is the place that Gnostics start from. Yep. It is. Right. Yeah. I went to the third heaven. Okay. I received That's special different. revelation. That's special. I didn't Whoa. go to the third heaven. Well, me neither. That's new. <laughs> yeah. That's different. That's yeah. uncomfortable, right? Uh -huh. You talk about different. That's different. That's uncomfortable. Now, what do we do? Yeah, and that's now. where, yeah. That, so that's where, so that's a what? I went to the third heaven. That's a what? So really what Paul needs to do and what he did do is explain why he went there and support it with scripture or from a source outside of himself. That's what Paul did consistently. So this is really, the, and that's, so So what we're trying to do here is what, how do I make sure I'm not a Gnostic with the information God reveals yes, to me? Yes, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Explain yourself and support yourself from somebody outside of you, ultimately from God, ultimately from scripture. So the people who really get revelation from God should be getting this revelation and saying to other people, bring it on. Inviting show me scrutiny. Sh show me where this is wrong. Like inviting dialogue, yes. inviting discussion, inviting all of the questions. Right. Because if it is from God, then those questions are going to produce more explanation because the source of the information is God. Yep. Not the person. 
So the more questions that are asked to that person, who that revelation is, was given to, that's essentially a way to get more of God's revelation through that individual. Right. But it's not the individual. Right. They're just a a messenger. They're just a carrier of that. They're a vessel of that. So that means, and what that should do is that should, shouldn't that encourage me to also see if God has a revelation or some, a new perspective for me? Yeah. When someone else is getting revelation. Yeah. Like, oh, so God, God speaks to all of us through his spirit. That's available. And again, there's where, you know, we're talking about, we're not talking about information that God has given to you and to you alone, you know, that contradicts God's, that contradicts the rest of his word. You know, God wants to speak to each of us and we're talking gold here again, right? This stuff's available. Yeah. It's open for us. The spiritual realm is open for us because we have the Holy Spirit because of what Christ did. And we're missing out when we don't reach in and start grabbing hold of that truth. That's awesome. Because it's there for us. Yeah. There should be a gold rush going on right now. And Mm. instead there's a bunch of pastors and leaders telling their people, no, it's fool's gold. What I have is gold. It looks, a lot of times it looks like it. Yeah. But you weigh it and you refine it and you melt it down and it's, garbage yeah wow and i think one of the you know when some if we were to receive a revelation from god a a different perspective or god shows us a different a different perspective um that is new we should first live it oh yeah that's good you know and so just like I asked you, you know, with your, the nothing new under the sun perspective, I haven't heard that perspective. Maybe someone else said that somewhere, but that to me is a new revelatory perspective on that verse. What is Solomon talking about under the sun, right? Physical, physical, nothing new, but he's not talking about above the sun. Right. (laughs) <laughs> and maybe, so maybe I'm the first person to say that, but now I'd also argue, was that information available before I said it five minutes ago? Yes. Yeah, it, it was. sure was. That perspective was always yeah, there. It was. Yep. But it was discovered. I mean, it was discovered. discovered yeah. Not invented. Discovered. No, yeah. it was. Yeah, it was discovered. And yeah. now it's really simple. Now it, it makes, actually, yeah. it makes things simple. And, and shouldn't Revelation do that as well? It should, yeah. Should make things simple. Jesus comes to earth, you know, like the revel the revelation of Christ. Yeah. Comes to earth and didn't a bunch of things just make sense? Oh, totally. All of the, a walking in the wilderness, the garden, the sacrifices, blah, 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 all of that. And Paul lines it out, right? Like yep. what a revelation that Christ was that made a bunch of things make sense. Revelation, I think, should do that as well. Yeah, that's good. I like that. But it, but to your point, it's, I ought to be able to explain it and yeah. give a value to other people for living it. Well, this yes. is awesome. Okay. I want to go through the, uh, uh, the three categories of self-esteem 
Pastor Joel. So will you bring us through um, how the Gnostic conversation has impacted the church relative to, to people's confidence in who they are? Sure. The first category, people's low self-esteem. So these are people who aren't going to want to be confronted. And if you do confront them, they're going to handle it poorly because they're going to take you trying to show them where they're wrong personally. Mm -hmm. The second category is mid self-esteem. These are people who have a high enough self-esteem. They might not like being shown where they're wrong, but they know they're wrong, but they also know that what is being taught in the church, at least from their experience is wrong as well. So they've grown enough to know I'm, I don't deserve to be in a situation like this. And Maybe I don't know why I believe what I believe, but I'm not the one teaching people to do certain things and also not being able to explain why I believe what I believe. Nice. And then there's the people with high self-esteem. That's the third category. People were impressed with understand why, what they believe, why they believe it, and are able to support it from a source outside themselves. And I'll just clarify this too. High self-esteem doesn't mean I know everything and it doesn't mean I understand. Maybe I don't have the right why or the right support Mm -hmm. behind my beliefs yet, but I am on a journey to make sure everything I believe is, is supported with the right why. Mm -hmm. And I'm on a journey to make sure it's supported from outside myself. So these people are going to respond to being confronted by thanking you. Nice. So to bring someone from low self-esteem to mid self-esteem in relation to Gnosticism, what we're saying is you, we want to confront someone unconsciously from low, like when they're at low self-esteem to bring them to mid self-esteem. Yeah. And then once they're at mid self-esteem, what we want to try to do is give them the right answers yeah because if they're if they if they're at mid self-esteem they're like well what is the answer i want to understand what it is then high self-esteem is well i'm going to be wrong all the time so just keep yeah bring it bringing it bringing it and it's not my responsibility to be right or to be righteous that's god's nature is doing that that's not my 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 responsibility is to be humble (laughs) yes be humble Cool. Anything else, PJ? You have any oh, other that's thoughts? Great. That's awesome. I love how you did that progression from self-esteem. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you, Pastor Joel. Thanks to everyone who's listening. This has been the Music of Life Church podcast. If you have any questions, comments, you'd like to hear a certain topic, please let us know. We will see you next time. Bye-bye.